Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Hello, Marketeers. Today, I'm joined by Deirdre Gilmore, a fellow of SMPS and a CPSM, to talk about how to build your bravery muscle and lean into your core values. I had a great chat with her. She's got lots of wisdom to impart on all of us, and I hope you enjoy. Today, I have on Deirdre Gilmore. She is the president and lead strategist of Tank Girl Marketing. Welcome. Thank you. So my favorite question to start out with, how did you get into the AEC industry? What's your story? Well, I think like most people, I really fell into this industry. So time I started, it was the year 2000. I was 30 years old. I had just graduated college. I went to college at 25 as a single mom and basically put myself through college scrubbing toilets and scholarships and welfare and everything I could do to scrape together a life. And so when I graduated, I just needed a job, right? I just wanted a job. And so I started applying all over the place and I got a call from a structural engineering firm that wanted someone to write white papers. And I was like, well, my degree's in literature, so I can write, so I can do this job. And so I took it. And within the first week, they started mentioning this marketing stuff. Like I needed to learn about marketing because that was really going to be my entire job. And that they didn't know much about it either because they'd never had this position. But if I went to this place called SMPS, I'd learn everything I needed to know. So that was my start. So I literally joined SMPS the same day went to every program I could join, bought every book I could read to learn how to do this job called marketing for an engineering firm. So one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on to talk today is I know you've given a session on bravery and I think bravery ties in pretty closely with values. So I want to explore that conversation and I'll start off with asking you, how do you define bravery? Ooh, that's a good one. So I define bravery as being absolutely terrified and forward anyways. Like that ability to just move forward within the face of fear is bravery to me. So then your story of how you started Tank Girl Marketing took an element of bravery. And I know you didn't initially see it that way, but from speaking with you, I know that Tank Girl Marketing started from a place of wanting to align your values with your work. Could you maybe give a little bit of insight as to what brought you up to the point of creating Tank Girl Marketing and the values that you use to drive your company? Absolutely. So when I was working within firms, you know, I loved the work I was doing. I just didn't like the way it was happening a lot of the time. And, and what I mean by that is that I, I don't think it's a big secret that often our positions within these industries are not highly respected. You know, there is a lot of sexism, racism, politics that to me were just all very baffling. And I couldn't live within the core values of most of the firms that I worked for, you know, the hyper-capitalism, the win at all costs, despite how you're treating each other, all of that just really wore on my soul. 
and frankly, just fighting the battles every day. I mean, I remember one day I was so ready to quit because I had once again had an hour argument about putting two spaces after a period in a document, whether that was right or not. And I was just like, my goodness, I'm the expert here. I've got my career in this. I've got a CPSM and I'm arguing with this person over this stuff. And it just like, I just couldn't take it anymore, really. And so, you know, I hit a point at about year 11 in my career where I was just done. I was really just done with it all and was ready to walk away from the industry. I mean, I was looking at walking dogs. I thought, well, maybe I'll go to work at Starbucks because these people don't take their work home with them at least. I mean, they get abused all day, but at least they don't have to go home and then work. Right. And, you know, I was exploring all these options and my husband was like, you know, honey, why don't you just put a pause on everything and just sit back and think about what do you really want in life? You've never had that luxury. Like you've worked since, you know, I first started working at 13 years old and had worked my entire life up to this point. And he was like, you've never just sat back and said, what does Deirdre really want? And so I <laughs> took that moment and, and sat with myself and thought about what do I love about my, my skill, my talents? What do I not want to do? All of that. And I realized I absolutely love AEC marketing. I love winning. I love seeing companies succeed. I wanted to keep doing all that. I just wanted to do it in an environment that I could thrive in and that I could create for other people. And that was really the impetus of it is, you know, it wasn't about money. Yeah, I was, you know, when people say, oh, that was brave to start your company. I really just sat down and said, I can't exist this way anymore. So how much money do I have to make to have a decent life? Once I kind of got that number and realized it wasn't that much, I was like, well, I could probably make that by myself consulting. Let's give it a shot. And really, when it came down to the bravery aspect, I asked, I always ask myself, like, what's absolutely the worst thing that could happen, right? I'm great at catastrophic thinking. I am a pro at catastrophic thinking. And so I would sit down and be like, okay, if this business doesn't work out, what is the absolutely worst thing that could happen? And I'd be like, well, number one, my ego would take a hit, but it's taken many more than this. So that wouldn't crush me. And then I'd have to get a job. And well, I've had jobs and it won't kill me. So, okay, if that's the worst that can happen, let's go do this. And so that was my moment of bravery. So then what values did you found Tank Girl Marketing on? Oh, good question. So it's really funny when you kind of go and put your values to paper and say, you know, do I walk this talk, right? And so for us, you know, we have some pretty solid core values in the firm that we all hold very dear. And what I've learned is that if people don't hold these values dear, each and every single one of them, and they're a part of their just internal mechanism, that's when companies don't survive, right? Because right. if you're, especially in your leadership, if we don't share core values, just nothing else is going to come from it. So for us, our core values, number one, team first always. If we're not good to each other and have each other's back all the time, then we can't be good for our clients, right? So we always just have to be there for each other. Number two, we're not ordinary and neither are deliverables. We don't work in the same confines as the rest of the world sometimes. We tend to stretch and go out of the way to do extraordinary things. And that's absolutely a core value is just pushing ourselves. Number three, and I think this is definitely speaks to me, it's authenticity in everything. Like to me, I don't like small talk. I don't like obfuscation. Like I am just... I don't have the ability to not be authentic. So this has to be one of our core values. Number four, have fun. Like these, these are hard jobs we do. And, you know, we work long hours sometimes and we got to have fun too, because that fun is what really sparks our creativity and we're creative. 
Number five, quality over quantity. We don't chase dollars here. We chase projects and clients that we want to work with. We care about our relationships and it's really hard to have a caring relationship with someone that doesn't hold the values that you hold. So it's really just having those quality clients and projects. Uh, number six, be innovative and open to new ideas. And this is really challenging. Like I've been doing this 20 years and there's this part of me that's like, this is the best practice and this is how you do it. And we're always having to challenge ourselves to say, is that true? Or is there a better way? Is there a new way? Is there a different way to look at things? And again, that's what keeps us excited and motivated. And then last thing, it's chase relationships and not money. And again, I have that in there twice because that is so important to me. Anytime I have found myself getting caught up in making more money, you know, there was a time where my goal was to be a million dollar company and I almost got there and it broke us. And it taught me a very clear lesson that relationships over money are what I value. And so those are our seven core values. Excellent. So I know you hit a bit of a rough patch a few years ago. Like you had to face your values a little bit. First of all, do you want to recap what happened? And then how has it helped you in the current crisis we find ourselves in, which is the COVID pandemic? Oof. Yeah, we did hit a crisis. As I, as I mentioned, you know, we had a period of phenomenal growth here in this company. I went from a couple people, you know, maybe a $250,000 company to 11 people and hitting that million dollar mark. And my job became bringing work in the door. And what that did is it weakened my relationships, right? If I'm focusing on bringing work in all the time, I'm not really focusing on the people that got me here as well as internally, you know, I was traveling the country. I mean, I was on a plane about 80% of my life at that point. And I also was not living my core values within the company and that caused a lot of angst. But <laughs> the good thing is, is because, you know, core values, while you may or may not always live in them, they are a part of you. And so, you know, for me, having relationships and people always first in my core values, what I found was, when I hit a time of my company literally falling apart, it literally fell apart. And I, I didn't know what was gonna happen. I didn't know if we were gonna go on, what was gonna happen. It was, it was not a pretty situation. And it was crazy because in the middle of it, for example, you called me, we were in the middle of, of doing a transaction for S&P SLA and you called to check in on it. And I had to be brutally honest and say, I don't even know if I can meet this commitment right now because I've lost a chunk of my team here and was completely vulnerable with you. And you responded in, with such kindness and such authenticity back. And it just was that moment of realizing like these relationships that I have invested in personally with human beings are what's going to carry me through right now. And they absolutely did. You know, the people that knew me and knew my core values and and what this company stood for, the phone was ringing off the hook. How can we help? How can we support you? I mean, the love that came back to me was so overwhelming and absolutely solidified for me when I'm my best self and when this company is at its best. And it's when we are living in those core values that keep us tight and keep our clients tight with us. And I think that's such a valuable thing to point out, especially now having gone through a bit of a crisis with this pandemic, I personally have started to see companies' values play out for better or for worse. And I do think that 
you get a look inside a company when there is a crisis and what they're actually made of. And you had a really interesting example of talking to a client and really valuing that relationship. Could you share that? Oh, absolutely. So I think that's, I don't know where the, the saying comes from. It's an old mantra, but basically, you know, times of, of hardship and crisis really show people's true character. And I think we're absolutely seeing that right now across the board with companies of, you know, spouting their core values, but certainly not living them with people. And, you know, especially right now, you know, it's, it's hard out there. It's hard out there for a lot of people. There's this kind of collective grief that we have going on that's kind of ambiguous in some ways because it's so different for some people, right? Some people, it's, it's the racial angst that's going on. For some people, it's COVID. They've lost their entire families. For some people, it's their jobs that, you know, they've lost their jobs. There's just, or, or just uncertainty in general. I think in our industry right now, we're like, what is this going to look like a year from now? You know, we just know. Mm -hmm. And so it was interesting because I picked up a client in March, right in the middle when COVID hit, picked up a client in March. We'd never actually met face to face. And so it was the Friday after George Floyd. It was that, that week when we were all just hurting so much. And he happened to call me at like three o'clock on a Friday as I was winding down for the week and just trying to, you know, deal with my emotions. And he calls me up and he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, just a simple hi. And I just couldn't keep it in anymore. And I said, you know, I'm going to be vulnerable with you right now. I, I'm not okay. How are you doing? And it started this conversation that I never expected to have with a client I had never even met face to face before. And now, you know, we have such a deep trusting relationship because we were able to get vulnerable with each other and really talk about what we value in the world and finding those shared values between each other. And, you know, now it's like every day Tom calls and says, hey, let me pick your brain on this. Or what do you think about this? And, and sometimes it's just about life. And to me, that's those are the best days. You know, those are the best days when I can touch people that way and, and they touch me back and we have these relationships that just transcend capitalism. Right. So I kind of want to circle back to bravery because I do feel like the two are intertwined and mm -hmm. I do think it takes a little bit of bravery to be vulnerable. I don't think that's anyone's default position. You've spoken about bravery being a muscle how do you suggest people build that muscle ah. and sort of live by their values? Because again, they are intertwined. Very much so. And so I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. And I got to say, when I did go through that with my company, I had to do a lot of soul searching and I kept coming back to her work and the topic of vulnerability and shame and how those are so tied together and kind of keep us in these boxes, right? And we feel like, especially I feel like as women in this industry, we put on this armor, but it's, it's like a false sense of bravery, right? Like to protect ourselves all day, we kind of walk around with these walls up to keep ourselves sane and protected. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that when I was operating that way with all these walls up, it was a false sense of security. And you know, and it's really easy when crisis hits for those walls to come crumbling down. And so you know, for me, vulnerability is terrifying, especially for someone like me. I'm an absolute introvert. I would much rather talk about the work than my personal and being vulnerable is, is scary. But what I found is in times of crisis, vulnerability is what is really going to carry us through. You know, it's, it's connecting at that kind of heart level. And so 
yeah, several years ago, I studied bravery because I had had that conversation over and over. People coming up to me and saying, you're just so brave to start your own company. And, and I didn't really think of myself as brave. So I thought, well, let's study bravery. Like, what is bravery and how do you get there? And what was interesting is I found there's actually like this process to creating a bravery muscle. And it's a really a seven-step process. And it absolutely aligns with what I went through when I started this company. Because number one is get clear about what you really want. That is the first step in building bravery is you got to know what you want first, right? And get rid of all the other stuff. Number two is you got to identify that deepest fear, right? You've got to ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen? And then get it out there, right? Just get it out there and say, okay, if this is the worst thing, could I live through this, right? Mm -hmm. Number three is then get honest about that cost of inaction, right? And so if you don't do this thing, how are you going to feel? And sometimes that's what will motivate you, right? And so you get over the fears and then say, okay, if I don't do this, how is that going to impact me? And for me, if I didn't get out of the industry and, and quit doing things the way I was, I mean, frankly, my marriage was not okay. My family was not okay. The way I was working and interacting, I had lost myself. And so I knew what that cost of inaction was going to be. Number four, it was break that big vision into small steps, right? So I knew I needed to start a company, but there were things I needed to figure out, like the legal stuff, you know, contracts. Am I going to have employees? What services am I going to have, right? And so I kind of broke that down into smaller chunks to look at. Next in creating bravery is you have to create accountability. So, you know, you want to talk to people and have them hold you accountable to the things you want to do, right? And have those weekly check-ins. I have mentors all over the place that hold me accountable to things. So creating accountability is incredibly important when you're trying to change. Number six in bravery is walking with giants, right? Like surround yourself with the people that have what you want. And so to my point is I have so many different mentors. I surrounded myself with the giants of SNPS and said, show me, teach me. I just want to watch. I want to absorb it all, right? So I put myself around the people and the educational environment that was going to get me where I needed to be. And then the last part is you got to do it daily. Like every day you have to take action that is brave. And so even if it's small things like telling someone your truth when it's really scary or saying no, right? Just saying no to something. You've got to train that bravery daily because like anything else, if you stop doing it, then that muscle goes away. So right. and it's easy to fall back into old habits. So that's the seven steps to bravery. If you don't plan on starting your own company. Let's say you do really like working for a big firm, but also feel the need to sort of exercise that bravery within yourself. How do you see that playing out? I mean, I can think of a few common scenarios of like a promotion or going for more responsibility, but like day to day, how has exercising the bravery muscle played out for you? And how do you see it playing out for, I don't know, people that you mentor? Oh, good question. I love this question. So I think as you go through your career, you put different things in your toolbox, right? And so for me, starting out, you know, my bravery was, was out of desperation, right? I needed a job, I needed to make good money. And I'm kind of a hundred percenter, anything I do, I'm going to put everything I've got into it. And so what that meant in the beginning was, I mean, I literally was hired for a job I didn't even understand, mm -hmm. but I was like, I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to put on a brave face and say yes and figure it out later. 
right? Because they've never done this job before either. So they don't know any more than I know. So let's just do this. And so for me, that was, that was just like bravery from desperation, right? I can do this. Why not? Kind of blind faith, really. (laughs) So, but then as I moved up my career and moved into other firms where, you know, I had more situations where people were challenging my knowledge, my expertise, or just didn't know the way, what bravery looked like then was owning my knowledge, right? Owning my expertise and walking into a room and saying, I got this, right? And being brave enough to say, this is my world, I own it, and come join me in it, right? And so it was having that courage to know I know my stuff as I move through the career. And still, I've never been afraid to just say yes to something I've never done before. And I, and I honestly think that's probably been one of the biggest keys to my success was just going, yes, I'll give it a try over and over. I guess in itself, that's an act of bravery or stupidity. I don't know how you look at it. <laughs> but honestly, I think that was it. But then, you know, as I moved up into my career and was more, you know, managing other people, bravery became something very different because now, you know, there was other people's, not just careers in my hands, but emotional lives as well. And what bravery turned into for me then was learning vulnerability, right? Learning to lead with vulnerability and kindness and put other people first. You know, I had to learn how to be a servant leader because I tried it the other way and that didn't work so good. Right. I was mm-hmm. you know, raised in this industry with a lot of men that tend to have a very kind of command and control management style. And I absolutely had picked that up. It was how I was raised. So I tried to raise other people that way. And I think the biggest act of bravery was learning that that doesn't work for me and that right. I needed to lead with my heart. And that is what got me the results I wanted. So I guess lastly, what would you suggest to someone who's just starting out in this industry and what advice would you give? (laughs) Say yes to everything in the beginning. (laughs) In the beginning, I'm going to caveat that. In the beginning, say yes to everything. Be opened up to the opportunities around you because I think a lot of times when people come into this industry, I mean, I happen to just be absolutely blessed to walk into a company that said, we've never done this before. We want to do it. Will you make this for us? You know, so I had no restrictions, right? But a lot of people, I know people that have been doing this job 20 years and they still never really done much other than proposals and interviews, but they walked in the door, got put in a box and they never got out of it. And so I would say, join SMPS if you're not already a member and meet those giants, right? Meet the people that have walked before you and listen to their journeys because we all have different ones. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself as much as possible. I literally, I can't tell you how many books I read that first year every SMPS manual I could get my hands on, every presentation I could go to, I educated myself constantly. So I would have the confidence to then move on. And so once you have that education and you have that confidence, do something with it. A lot of times when I was doing recruiting, you know, and people wanted to make that move from marketing coordinator to marketing manager. And I'd say, okay, well, here's the things that are going to make you a manager. First, you need to know how to manage marketing, which means you need to write a marketing plan. You need to understand how to do market research, write a marketing plan, write a budget and own it. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, Deirdre, you know, my company doesn't want that. They don't care about a marketing plan. They don't value that. And I'd be like, no, 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 this is about you and your career and your right. skill set. And so I think my biggest piece of advice is own your own career. 
no one else is going to do it for you. No one else is. No one else is going, how is this person going to move up in the world? That is your job. And so, you know, having some kind of plan for where you want to go and creating the steps, the actions it'll take to get you there should be independent in a sense of what's required from you every day at work because they're not looking out for you that way. Right. You do have to advocate for yourself. <laughs> oh gosh, you do. You do have to. I mean, it's great if you can find an advocate in your company. You know, every single company I've worked in, I always was able to find a few advocates that really would help me move marketing initiatives along. But more than anything, you have to be your, your own advocate. If you don't advocate for yourself, why else would anybody put themselves out there for you, right? right. So, and again, it's your career. It's your life. Make it what you want it. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me and talking to all of us, spreading your wisdom. It's very much appreciated. Thanks for having me. I just, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot easier for me to talk about technical stuff than personal stuff, but this (laughs) is really a fun way to start the morning today. Thank you. All right, marketeers. Well, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer Podcast. Thank you again to Deirdre Gilmore for taking the time to talk with me. If you're interested in learning more about Deirdre Gilmore, you can find her at tankgirlmarketing.com. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every Wednesday. Chat soon.